to see everybody. Um, <clears throat> there's a multiple of needs um, in the place. Um, if you know of somebody near you and you'd like to tell them 
what your um you, your prayer need is today. That would be good. We have a lot of people traveling, um, a lot on vacation and enjoying family. And there's some sicknesses running around. Um, I wanted to say, um, before we pray, my um, the scripture's been on my uh, heart all day. It's Isaiah 9 and 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. He is our peace. And also, my um, screensaver on the back of my phone always says, Know our God, he is strong creator, Lord most high, Lord my master, Lord my banner, Lord my healer, everlasting God, God who sees, Lord of hosts, Lord my shepherd, Lord our righteous, Lord our peace, Lord our sword, jealous God, Lord my help, Lord our father, Lord our judge, Lord my light, mighty God, Lord is with you, God that forever, Lord my provider. Remember that as we pray. Help me pray, please. Lord, we love you. We thank you so much, Lord, for what you have done for each and every one of us, Lord God, what you are doing in, in each of our lives, for what you are doing in this country, for you, what you are doing in this sanctuary, Lord God. I just pray that you touch the ones that are traveling, Lord, that you guide their minds and their hearts, Lord God, that you minister to them while they're traveling, that you keep your hand of protection upon each of them, Lord God, that you just minister into each of our lives today. We just pray that you have your way, Lord God. We thank you for the opportunity to serve you, Lord God, and to be here, Lord God, because you are the mighty God. You are our Prince of Peace, Lord God. You are so good to us, Lord. If there's anything else, Lord God, if you don't do anything else for me, Lord God, I will still serve you. I will still love you, Lord Jesus. We just thank you so much, Lord God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, you are so good, Lord. Hallelujah. If you will... Will you uh, cross aisleways, shake hands, be friendly? As you make your way back, if I can have a couple of ushers up here. Lord is just so good. He's just so great to us. He's amazing. There's a lot that's going on in the world. I just lean on, the, on Jesus right now. Every day, every moment we have. If I could have a couple of ushers. You have to look at the good. And not just the ugly all the time. Every time I wake up, I just realize I'm a child of the, of the true king. And I love him so much. Brother Zach, will you bless the offering, please? Jesus' name. If you will, march your offerings on up here and then praise and worship with us.
Full of people that got it today and then the rest don't and you know what that's okay that's okay because that's what God gave me today is for the, for you for you all that don't we're gonna get there we're gonna get there thank you Jesus Thank you to the thank you to the praise team, to the musicians. Thank you, brother Thomas. Thank you to the sound, the ushers, everybody, everybody that's doing something for God, just to be doing something for God because you love Him. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If somebody could, I know we ain't have any water back there, but if somebody could find me some water, I got a feeling I'm gonna need it today. If that's all right, I'm not gonna hold you long. I promise this is not gonna take long. I don't feel like it needs to be. We are going to go into scripture today. We're going to go to Exodus. It's one of my it's one of my favorite. Thank you, bless you, sis.
Exodus chapter 16. I'm going to say this before I read. I, I've had the conversation with multiple people here recently about not being fake. I'm just, I say it all the time, can I be me? Because I just want to be me. Because God made me me. And God made you you, bub. You know it? And sis, God made you you. So any time where I get my mind in a place where I feel like I got to be somebody else, that's, that's not good and that's not right. And we can treat, oh, shut up, we can treat, we can treat people different ways because of what we expect of them. My expectations can be different for you as opposed for you. So I'm going to treat you differently. And that's not good. We should be true and honest all the time. God doesn't have a preference for us. Why should I? I shouldn't have a preference for one person over the other. I shouldn't treat one person different than the other. I'm going to give you what God gave me, and I'm going to let you decide what you're going to do with it. Is that okay? Is that all right? And I'm just going to be me because I don't know how to be nothing else. God bless the heart and all the parts. Lord, help us. Exodus chapter 16. We're going to start at verse 11. I am going to cut a few out in the middle just so you can read it yourself. You know, you know that? That's a blessing from God. If you, don't, if you don't trust anything that somebody says or if you don't feel the Spirit on it, you can look into it yourself. This ain't the 1800s where you couldn't get a Bible. You can read your Bible for yourself and you can go, oh, it does say that. Oh, God did say that. God did promise me that. You're allowed to do that. Lord bless it. Exodus chapter 16, starting at verse 11. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel. Speak unto them, saying, At even ye shall eat flesh, and in the morning ye shall be filled with bread. That sounds good, don't it? And ye shall know that I am the Lord your God. And it came to pass at even the quails came up and covered the camp. And in the morning, the, the dew lay round about the host. And when the dew that lay was gone up, behold, upon the face of the wilderness, a small round thing, small as the hoarfrost on the ground. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said one to another, It is manna. For they wist not what it was. Manna means what is it? If you look it up straight up, it means what is it? Can't make it up. And Moses said unto them, This is the bread which the Lord hath given you to eat. We're going to jump down to verse 31. And the house of Israel called the name thereof manna. It was like coriander seed, white. And the taste of it like wafers made with honey. And then you go down to verse 35, and it says, And the children of Israel did eat manna forty years, until they came to a land inhabited. They did eat manna until they came unto the borders of the land of Canaan. I am going to do my best not to flip all over this church house this morning. But I'm going to talk to you about don't settle for the desert. Don't settle for the desert. Anybody besides that handful of people that was trying to shout earlier and was, can you, can you, can you feel what I feel? I feel God, but I feel constrained. Can I, can I just be me? Is that okay? Can I be me? I feel God, but I feel constrained. Because we say shout for the victory. Shout because you've been set free. But you don't feel free. And you don't feel like you got victory this morning. Can I just be honest with you? Is that okay? You don't feel like what you should feel like. And you don't know who to blame. And your initial thought is to blame God because God controls everything, does he not? And you say, if God loved me and cared, then God would adjust this. God would correct it. I've prayed. 
Sit down, y'all. You can be seated. Don't settle for the desert. What is the desert? The desert's hot, dry. It's devoid of life. A desolate, forbidding place where growth is stunted, if not impossible, for most living things. A desert is a place where there is little change, little development, and often is associated with death. Am I wrong or am I wrong? A desert often is avoided at all costs because of the hardship that is associated with it in survival. It's hard to live in a desert, y'all. The Bible equates the desert to the world, does it not? A harsh place where it seems everything is out to get you. Where it's hard to grow and it's even harder to thrive. It is often shown as a place of learning or transition. But it's not a place to dwell. It's it's okay. I I knew it was going to be a crapshoot today and that's all right. I knew it was. I was like, God, they're either not one of them is going to say a word or by the time this is over. So help me. I hope that by the time this is over that you have danced out of the desert that you've been wandering around in, that you've just been, that you've been wasting time blaming God, saying, why is it not different, God? Why is it not different? If you get it in your mind, 40 days, that was the initial trip, wasn't it? It really wasn't even that. It was like seven, but it took them 40 days. That's what they were supposed to take to get through that desert. 40 days. That was the duration of it. That's how long that manna and that quail was supposed to last. Do you hear me? They had manna and they had quail, and they got sick of it quick because... Can I just get away from my nose for a minute and tell y'all something? God can bless you in a place where you're not supposed to be. God can provide for you. God can provide for you in a place that's dry, desolate, and not what has been promised to you. But that blessing, that blessing was never meant for the extended period of time. Do you understand that? So God can say, I give you this thing for a short term because you're going to need it, because you're going to die in the transition that you're going through. If you don't have it, you'll die without it. You'll die without the blessing that I'm going to give you because 40 days is way too long. It's way too long for you to go without food. So I'm going to rain down my blessing from heaven. In a place that blessing doesn't rain down, nothing rains down from there. Nothing rains down in the desert. And I'm going to allow it to happen so you have enough. So you have enough while you're traveling through that. And when you go, shara morromokasa. They were leaving Egypt, weren't they? They were leaving tyranny, right? They were leaving tyranny, and they had to go through the desert to transition to what God had promised them. Correct? I know, I know this story. I don't know all the Bible, but I know this one good. It's one of my favorites. They left Egypt, tyranny, and when they're in the desert, what do they do? Almost at every turn, what do they do? Oh, if we would be back at Egypt. Oh, if we could just be back at Egypt. We had free food in Egypt. I could store up food in Egypt. I didn't have to go around and pick up these little nasty crackers. Even though they're a blessing from God, I didn't have to go around and pick them up. And I could only pick up enough for a day. I could store back food in Egypt. I had fruit. I had all the things that tasted better. I had variety in Egypt, and it was free. Ain't nothing free. Ain't nothing free. They seem to have forgotten the work that they put in, the bondage that was there in Egypt. It's easy to forget the bad things sometimes when you're in a new situation where you're not adjusted to the bad things yet. Right? Because the devil you know is better than the one you don't. 
isn't it? Oh, I'm used to this. I'm used to this. So even if it's worse in the long run, that's okay because at least I'm adjusted to it. I'll get up and work and slave away for for fruit that I'm calling free even though it's not free. Because at least it's what I know. It's what I'm comfortable with. And then when they get into the desert and they pick it up and they're doing all the things, I'm going to mess this story up so bad, but I don't even care. They get, they go through their 40 days, they're picking it up, they're doing their thing, right? And then as soon as they get to Canaan and they put the spies out, right? They send the spies out. Only everybody knows Caleb and Joshua because they're the ones that actually had a good report. Everybody else was Debbie Downer. No, we can't do it. No, we can't do it. Nobody remembers their names. What did the children of Israel say? Let me look it up. Let me look it up real quick. I don't even care. You got my scripture, Bubba, if you put it up there. It's the one in Numbers. They say to God, oh, if we could go back to Egypt. And then, oh, what did they append to it? It would have been better if we would have died in the wilderness. So when they're in the wilderness, they look back on Egypt and go, man, those were the days. And then they're still in the wilderness. They haven't even stepped into the promise yet. They haven't stepped into the thing that they were promised. And they're looking back already and going, well, the wilderness is going to be better than this. There's giants there. At least I had a shot in the desert. Too many of us in Christianity and in our lives, do you believe in God? Do you believe in God? Truly, do you believe in God? Do you believe in God's promises for you? I want to t- I'm not a prosperity gospel person. I'm not, a, I'm not a, a football coach that's saying, let's go, team, we can do this. God has promised you things, and we have spent so much time wandering around in circles in a dry, dark place that was never meant for us. We have taken a place of transition and, and, and birthed it into an establishment. We were never called to establish ourselves in the desert. We weren't. Do you know the temple of God? Ooh, thank you, Jesus. This ain't even in here. You know the temple of God? you know when it was originally created? you know what it was created to be? A tent. You know why? So they could move it. So they could move it easily because they didn't want to establish themselves in any place. God said, no, 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 baby. You're going to take me with you. So I'm going to be portable. I'm going to be easy for you to pick up and carry along with you wherever y'all are going. Do you know whose idea it was to create the stationary temple? The one that was, the one that was beautiful and overlaid with gold and all the fancy things? It wasn't God. Can I tell you that? It wasn't God. God was good with the tent. God was good with the tent. He didn't need, and do you know why? Oh my God, get this, y'all. He didn't want the stationary place that was beautiful and overlaid with gold and had all the different things that were like, ooh, that's beautiful. I, I want to have that. You know what he told them when they built it? He said, if you think you, I, my spirit is going to stay here in this stationary place so y'all can go walk off and leave me here, Read your Bible. It's in there. If you think you're going to leave me in a place, if you're going to build me some fancy temple like every other God, like every other God that you're used to, they wanted to build God a temple because all the little baby gods had one because they wanted to make it easy for new people. Oh, they wanted it. Oh, we got to have a, We got to have everything else, the stuff everybody else has got. We got to have that. So they made that so they could feel comfortable. It's the same thing they did with the king later on. We got to have a king. No, you don't. You're not everybody else. You don't have to have what everybody else has. 
You have better than that. You've just not accessed it yet. What happens when we settle, y'all? What changes? What changes in your life when you settle? Your countenance changes, can I tell you? Your attitude changes. Your mindset changes. The drive that you have for things. You know you need to have a drive. If you have no drive and you're sitting on your rear end not doing nothing, that's not godly. It's just not. Well, I guess I'll just sit here and die. And that's how a lot of us act. Well, I got, I got baptized and I got the Holy Ghost. No, I'm good. I'm just going to wait it out. No, not good enough. Not good enough. It's not. And if you've settled in a place of God, you need to be rebuked. Can I put it plain and simple enough? If you've settled into a place that's less than what God has called you to, somebody should come by and rebuke you. Jesus Jesus did it. No, don't tell me different. I know what I'm called to. Is it Bible or is it not? Did Jesus tell him that? No, I know where I've been called. I've been called to death. Oh, no, surely not, Lord. I'll, I'll tear them all up. No, no, no. Because that's what I've been called to. So if we're wandering around in a dry place that we were never called to, but we've been called to walk through, then we're against the will of God. Egypt looked great in hindsight, but they couldn't move directly from Egypt to the promised land, could they? Do you know why? They weren't ready for it. And do you know why they weren't ready for it? It's not because they had to get their steps in. They didn't have to burn calories off. Their mind wasn't in the right place. Their mind wasn't in the right place to allow them to transition from what they were used to to what they were going towards. They had to have a time in between where God could show them that he could provide, that there was provision, that there was still love. The problem with it was, is the blessings that he were giving them were short term and they took them as long term. They said, this is good enough. You know, they received, God, they received blessings even though they were in slavery in Egypt and in the wilderness. God, God told me, and I love saying that because there's like probably half of you that just went in your mind, and that's okay. When God speaks to me, he speaks to me in as few words as possible for me to be able to get it because that's how my brain works. And he gave me two words, and it was don't settle. That's what he gave me. He told me don't settle. We as the church, we as children of God, the called, chosen, all those scriptures that we like to quote. And when we're feeling good, we'll dance about and run the aisles and all that, all that good stuff. We're that, but we've settled for less than what God has truly called us to. I don't want to settle for anything less than my promise. I'm tired Their promise was called the land of milk and honey, right? But it wasn't just that. It said it was flowing with milk and honey. So instead of them picking up the manna each day, just enough, it was an omer, just enough each day to get by, and them saying, this is great, God's blessing me. God's blessing me. And I'm not trying, I'm not downing God. I'm not saying that the little blessings that you're getting right now aren't good. But what I'm saying is, if you start walking towards what God told you to walk towards, 
There's, it's going to flow, and it's going to be more than you're going to be able to handle. And you're not even going to need to pick it up because it's flowing. It's going to flow through the place where God puts you. And you're not going to have to fight. And when they sing the song, shout with the voice of victory, you're not going to sh- just close your mouth and hold it in and bottle it up and say, I don't have anything to shout for. You're not going to be able to keep your mouth shut because you know, you know that he brought you through Egypt and then he took you through the wilderness and he kept you there. And even when you messed around and you wasted time because you weren't comfortable with walking any further, he still blessed you during that time. And when you finally got it together and you said, oh, I think I should probably keep walking. And then you walk into the promise, the fullness that God promised you. It's a change of mindset. We have to stop looking at the little things and going, yes, that's the blessings of God. Oh, there's the blessings of God. He's got more than what you can handle. God has more than what you can handle. And it's not just money and it's not just stuff. He can give you peace when you shouldn't have peace, Brother Steve. He can. He's with you in times where you don't feel like anybody else is is with you. And he can make himself known in those times. That's more of a blessing than $1,000 on the days when you really need it, isn't it? Y'all sit down. I'm not done yet. God told him to move forward, didn't he? Joshua 1 and 9. It's my favorite. It's my favorite Bible verse. Have I not commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid. Don't be afraid. Neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. We have to stop being comfortable with the devils that we know. Even if we got to walk to some new ones that we've never seen before. Do you hear me? Do you know when you're in a desert mindset? When you ask yourself the same question that you've already asked yourself five million times and you can't reasonably come to an answer. How do I know? That's how I know. When you lay in bed at night awake thinking of every avenue and option, what's best? And then you pray to God and say, God, direct me because I don't know what to do. And then you get a response from God, and that response says, don't settle. God has not created you, friend, to settle. You can do that all by yourself out in this world without any help whatsoever. I promise you, you can. It's not hard. But when you come into the presence of God, when you walk into the presence of God, And you can't praise him the way that you know you should praise him. You know the importance. We all do, don't we? If there's somebody new here, forgive me in advance. We all know what we're supposed to do, don't we? And we know why we're supposed to do it. Because he did more for us. He did something for us that we could not do for ourselves. It's no matter how long we live, no matter how much we prayed, no matter how many needy people we gave to, we couldn't have done it. I couldn't fix it for me. I couldn't. I'm incapable of it. But he did it for us, and that's why we praise him, and that's why we love him, and that's why we shout, because we have been given victory. That's why we do the things that we do that, that, that separate us from other churches where they're just in there and they, well, bless God. The Lord is good. And they wait for it to be over. And go home and nothing changes. I'm tired of nothing changing. Do you hear me? I'm tired of it. I'm tired of nothing changing. And the important things that need to change need to change. 
And it only happens when you... It only happens when you, young people, get sick of dealing with the stuff that you're dealing with on a daily basis. And you say, I've had enough. I've had enough of this. You weren't created to settle. You're not. And when you come into the presence of God, you shouldn't feel that restriction, that restraint, because you're not sure. It is love. It is. And it's trust. They had to be strong and courageous enough to face their future. That requires trust in God. You want to talk about trust? Walk into something that you have no idea where you're walking into and see. Do it without trusting God. Especially when there's something that you can see. And they're giants. They turned back. They turned, oh my God, get it. It was 40 days to 40 years because of what they could see. They turned back around and wandered in a place that they hated. They complained. Read it. Read it. If you want to, if you want to be depressed, read it. I skipped it for a reason. They wandered around and complained about everything. Have you found yourself doing that? Perhaps we should look at ourselves and say, am I walking the way that I'm supposed to be walking? I should probably not push blame into other places. And I should look on me and say, did God tell me to do something and I did not do it? Did I turn around at a place where I shouldn't have turned around? Am I free? You've been called to a higher place than where you stand right now. Do you hear me? I'm talking to every single one of you. There's, there's nobody in this congregation that is outside of that statement. You have been called to a higher place than where you currently stand. You are. You just haven't walked there yet. You haven't transitioned yet. Your mind hasn't changed enough to get out of the manna and quail phase of your life. Because you're comfortable with the manna and quail. And God's provided it for you. And even though it's a blessing from God, there's more, but you're scared to walk to it. And as soon as you get your mind, Dad, can I borrow you for a minute? You come here. Dad, come here. Y'all know the story like I do. You know Caleb, Joshua and Caleb? There's two of them, right? There's two of them. They were the two that said, oh, it's good. God's got this. Let's go do this thing, right? So Caleb, at that time, when they gave the good report and everybody else gave the bad report and they decided to turn around and say, forget it for 40 years, right? Caleb was around my age right now. He was in his 40s, okay? 42, baby. Still looked as good. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. 40 years, Joshua and Caleb wanted to go. They wanted that fight then because they said, God's got us. And if God's got us, then I don't got to worry about nothing else. It doesn't matter if I'm strong enough. It doesn't matter if I'm smart enough. It doesn't matter. None of, that, none of that trash matters because God's with me. That's this. He didn't make, he wasn't able to make that decision on his own. Do you hear me? So what did Joshua and Caleb do? They ran around the desert for 40 years with a bunch of griping people that were unhappy because of the decision that they made. And you know when they got back, Dad, you're going to be 84 this year, right? Caleb, when he finally got to the promised land, 
was around the age of my dad. And do you know what he said when he was asked for his inheritance? Do you all know the story? You know what it was? You know the story? You know where I'm going here? Each tribe was promised land. Thank you, Dad. I love you. Each tribe was promised land, weren't they? And Caleb, at 80-some-odd years old, when they finally overcame, they finally did all this stuff. And don't forget that they could have settled at any point. They could have ran around Jericho and said, this is good enough. They could have went to Ai and said, well, this is good enough. Any place on that journey, they could have stopped and said, this is where I'm camping. I'm done. But when Caleb finally got back to the place where he was, he said, I'm as strong now. Shut up, Akasa. I'm as strong now as I was then. I'm as strong right now as I was then, both in my body and in my spirit. Because it wasn't my decision. It wasn't my decision to waste time and be in a place where I wasn't supposed to be. I wasn't supposed to live in transition. I was supposed to live in promise. And he went and he took that mountain. He said, Lord, give me this mountain. At 80 some odd years old, he said, God, give me this mountain. And it's not because I deserve it. And it's not because I put up with the other people that didn't want to do what you told them to do. But because you promised it to me. You promised me this mountain, God. And if you promised it to me, then it's mine. You know what the sad part, though, is? It was his promise that whole time. And because of other people and because of what those other people decided for him, he had to wait 40 more years. That's 40 years that he walked around the desert without enjoying the promise that God already had for him. It was there. It was available. Please tell me you get this today. Stop wasting time. Stop it. You don't have time to waste. And even if you do, do you want to do it sitting feeling mean and angry and bitter and all that other trash? Or do you want to do it living in the promise that God gave you? Stop settling for a little taste when God's promised you more. And I'm not going to tell you that you need to go pray and fast every day for the next month. I'm telling you that God's told you. Has he not? If you've prayed and you've fasted, God has told you. Do what God has told you to do. That's, it's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. If God's confirmed it to you, stop wasting time. Stop wondering. Stop complaining as you wonder. It's like we said at the beginning, at the beginning of Sunday school today. Stop looking this way and trying to walk this way. You're going to run into everything. Change your focus to what God promised you. And then all the other things that are coming in in your peripheral vision, ignore them. It sounds simple, doesn't it? But it's not because it affects our heart. It affects our spirit. But we have to realize if God called us to it, then those other things. The word was distraction, wasn't it? Wasn't it? <clears throat> They're a distraction. The devil will use any distraction that he can use to get you to set up camp in a place of transition when you should be walking. I'm glad y'all ain't running because that means you're listening. Don't settle for an unfulfilled ministry. Don't settle for an incomplete marriage. Do you hear me? God did not get you, God did not give you that person. Can you, can you screw up what God gave you? Can you choose the wrong person? Will God help you in it? 
If you follow him, he sure will. He can help you fix that thing. He's helped me fix things that I never thought I could fix in my life. I thought I would die with them. I'm not kidding. I didn't think I would make it past 30 years old because of the stuff I was doing. I'm 42. It's not a joke. I stopped messing around and wandering. Have new things came in and tried to cause me to do it more? Yes, of course it has, because that's the devil's job. He wants you to mess up. He wants you to stop. Hey, baby girl. Nana gets it. She's like, I'm going, Daddy. I'm going. Don't settle for an unfulfilling job. Don't settle for an unfulfilled life. How about that? We put, we put so much. And, and God hit me between the eyes with what Sister Sandra said this morning because I was like, Lord, am I wrong? I was like, oh, Jesus, help me if I heard this wrong. But I think it's the flip side of exactly what you said, and it, it confirmed it for me. <clears throat> we get to a place. I promise I'm going to be done soon. We get to a place in our walk with God where we expect the wilderness. God, this is horrible, but that's what you said it was going to be. So so bless the Lord. Oh, look, a piece of manna. Thank God. We expect it. Because the Bible says, we will, yes, we will be hated. Yes, we will have things come against us. You can be sure of it. Because if you walk according to what God has called you to walk towards, you're going to have stuff come against you no matter what you do. Because this world is so anti-Christ, anti-God, that you can't help but it. It's going to happen. But that doesn't mean you have to make it harder on yourself. Do you hear me today? Do you hear me today? You're going to have things come against you, Brother Zach, but that doesn't mean that you have to waller around in it and go, oh, yeah, this is bad. Oh, but thank God. If he told you to do something, then go do it. Because it doesn't have to be that bad, right? It doesn't have to be that hard. It doesn't have to be a place where you wander around and you're unsure of everything and you question God and you question yourself and then you question motives. Ooh, motives. You begin to question everything. And then when you take it to God, God doesn't respond. Or he doesn't respond the way that you think he should respond. Because you want, I need a matter of fact, I need to know God because this is important. This is my life. That's what, we, that's what I say. Yeah. And he says, I gave it to you. You wouldn't have what you have right now without me. And also, when you really stop and think about it, maybe you wouldn't be in the predicament that you're in if you would have done what I told you to do about 10 steps ago. Maybe, huh? Maybe. When you saw things starting to fall apart and you saw things wasn't the way it was supposed to go. You remember when you stood and you saw them grapes? You saw the blessing that was there? I promise this ain't prosperity gospel. I know it sounds like it, but it's not. We are unwilling to accept the promises of God because we think they're too good for us. Ain't that a rotten mindset? And we don't do it to other people? I'm like, oh, Sister Joy, God bless you. You deserve all of God's blessings, and I can't wait. And you see all the things, and you're like, yes, you deserve it. And then you look at yourself and you go, I'm a piece of trash. I don't deserve nothing because I know me. I know my heart and I know my intents and I know what I've done before God. And I, I know what I did after God. And I know the thoughts that are in my mind and all the horrible stuff. Don't you? You know it about you, but you don't know it about me. That's why you say, no, that can't be for me because it's too good. It's too good for me. But you can sit up here and you can pray and sweat and cry and all that stuff with somebody else because you know God's got it for them. You know he does. But when you get up here, you can't feel even a goosebump when you pray about your stuff because I'm not good enough. 
you are. What you are also is hard of hearing. Especially in the book of Revelation, it says, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. You better open up your ears. Because we are in the last days. And we ain't got time to be wandering around a desert that we were never called to. We were called through. Stop setting up camp and establishing yourself in a place of transition. Sister Chandra said it exactly right this morning. We are supposed to love the way that God loves. We are. We are called. Jesus is our example in everything. He is. Everything that he did. There are some people that were trying to, I'll tell you how bad it was. There are some people that were at the place where they were trying to kill him that he had to run away from. And there were some people, he wasn't scared to tell the truth to them to their face because he knew it was the truth. We have to know the truth and we have to speak it. And we have to walk in it. Stand with me. I told you I was going, I'm going to be done. I pray today that you won't allow what's convenient for you to keep you from your promise. We're looking, we're, I can't, well, maybe y'all aren't, but I am. I'm always looking for the easiest way to get to wherever I'm going. That's how I'm built. My mind tries to figure it out and say, how can I get to point B as easy as possible? We're driving down to Tennessee tomorrow. I'm going to take the fastest way I can to get there. I ain't taking them curvy back roads and them hills and all that trash. No, I'm finding an interstate and I'm going to go 7580. Pray for me. I don't want no ticket. Lord. I'm going to find the fastest, directest way to get to it. But that's because it's a simple no-brainer thing. That, it's not that way with our spirit, is it, or with God. Because all of the other things start to flood in and confuse it. We have to focus on the reason why we're here in the first place. I love all the things. I understand all the things. You have to focus on Jesus. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. You have to remain focused on God and his promises for you and walk towards them. And if the straightest way and the fastest way to get there and the way that God told you to get there is through a swamp or through some fire or through a flood, what does the Bible say about that? It says he'll be with you. You can't shake him. No matter what the environment is, and that's all it is, is that you're worried about is the environment. You're worried about the fire or the flood or the swamp or the external factors when all you have to do is worry about Jesus. That's it. You have to remain focused on him. And even if you're walking through fire, if you're walking the way you're supposed to be walking, it's not going to hurt. Remember the three Hebrews? Remember them? There's a reason why what's in the Bible is in the Bible. And it's more than just a story to tell our kids. And it's more than just something to shout about when you feel like you need to shout about something. It's to confirm things. You need to readjust your focus off of all the other trash that's surrounding you and say, did I stop where I wasn't supposed to stop? Did I walk past where I was supposed to walk past? Right now, I could go for some shouting. Because I think you get it. Don't settle for less than your promise. You hear me, Mama? You too. You don't settle for less than it. God, we discount God in our minds. Do you know it? We think once something happens bad enough that God could never possibly fix it. We limit God by what 
our thoughts are. Do you know that? There comes a point, just like, just like Seth said, you go from believing to walking, don't you? Because you can sit in a pew and do nothing and say, I believe in God. That's the majority of the United States of America. They're Christian. They are. I'm a Christian. I believe, yeah, I believe in God. In one of the eight billion denominations and one of the eight trillion churches we have. Oh, yeah, I, yes, I, I believe in God. But I have nothing that proves or shows that I walk after him or follow him. It's a big difference. It's just like we talked about before. There's a difference between love and trust. There's a difference between believing and following. But you can say you believe and not really believe. 